To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God upon which we base our message on this 10th Sunday after Pentecost is the gospel for today. You heard it read before from Matthew chapter 14. I recall just some of these words. About three or six in the morning, he came to them. He was walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost, and began to scream because they were afraid. Immediately, Jesus said, calm down, it's me. Don't be afraid. In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, my beloved, in whose hearts and minds I'm sure there's a lot of trouble right now. I think you all know what it feels like to walk around barefoot. It feels like to walk around barefoot and, and feel uh, perhaps the cool sand on the shore of a lake or maybe even if you got to the ocean. You know what it feels like to walk uh, with bare feet on hot pavement. You know what it feels like to walk with bare feet on a soft, soft rug. But you know what it feels like to walk on water 40 to 50 feet deep? There's only one sinner now sainted who knows what that felt like, and that's the Apostle Peter. And perhaps when we get to heaven, maybe you can talk to, to him about what that felt like. Displaying his impetuous personality, we hear Jesus say, Lord, if it's you, let me come to you. Jesus said, Come. And so the stage is set for one of Jesus' 35 miracles recorded for us in Holy Scripture. And of course, that's only a fraction of the miracles that Jesus performed to help and heal people. Today, we want to consider how Jesus walked on the water. First of all, we want to see the facts, what happened. And then also take a look at the reason why it happened. Because... All the things we know that Jesus ever did, he always did out of love for people. So it was that Jesus walked on the water to reveal himself and to remove fear and doubt. Now, in order to truly understand this miracle, you have to understand the context. And you heard the gospel read uh, last Sunday. And uh, in fact, I believe... Pastor Wengerin also preached on that text of Jesus feeding 5,000 people, and that only numbered uh, the men, not the women and the children, with five loaves of bread and two fish. The miracle produced this result, John chapter 6. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. 
time and again, we see that Jesus' followers, their main attention and emphasis was on their own health, dietary, financial, and political concerns. And when they thought that they finally had a miracle worker to solve all of those concerns and for free, they wanted to take him by force to become their king. Now, Jesus didn't want to become that kind of a king. In fact, he was already a king. My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus said. But Jesus knew that his disciples also were caught up in this frenzy And so Jesus decided to divide and conquer. And so it was that he made his not-too-willing disciples get into a boat. Jesus, you see, was now in high popularity. He gave away a lot of food. Why douse that moment of enthusiasm? That's why Jesus sent his disciples away in a boat, and probably not in too soft of a manner, Get in that boat and get out of here. And then he sent the crowd away too. Now, hours have passed. And somewhere between three and six in the morning, the disciples were in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. In a storm, it was dark, the waves were high, they were exhausted from rowing against the wind, and so Jesus comes walking on the water. As I said before, first of all, let's take a look at the actual miracle and then the reason for the miracle. And actually, if you take a look closely at this, there were actually four miracles. Jesus walked on the water, and then he allowed Peter to walk on the water. And when Jesus climbed into the boat, the storm immediately stopped. And when Jesus climbed into the boat, the boat was immediately on shore. Jesus walked on the water to reveal to his disciples once again that their seminary professor who sort of sternly sent them away was still their loving creator. Jesus walked on water. Nobody else can. But Jesus can because in the beginning, along with the Father and the Holy Spirit, they put their Trinitarian fingerprint on creation. And so it was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit made three states of matter, solid, liquid, and gases. And if Jesus wanted to make a liquid act like a solid, he can do it because he created them both. Jesus also made the storm stop. The wind stopped. The waves stopped. How could Jesus do it? Well, as you heard in the Old Testament reading from Job uh, 38, when uh, God was rhetorically questioning Job, God said, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness? When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place? When I said, this far you may come and no farther, here is where your proud waves halt. Jesus as creator directs even the winds and the waves. 
Jesus was the creator of weather. When Jesus stepped into the boat, <clears throat> even though they were out there in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, all, all of a sudden, immediately they were on shore, John 6 tells us. Talk about rapid transit. It's sort of like, uh, Scotty, beam me up. And so it is that humankind has been tinkering around with Einstein's theory of relativity, the relationship between time and space. <coughs> Some people say that they understand it. A lot of people don't. It certainly looks like reality, but we still call it a theory because you can't prove it. Jesus created time and space. In the beginning. In the beginning of what? Why, in the beginning of time. Before that, there was only eternity. <clears throat> God created space. Let there be an expanse between the waters above and the waters below. He created the sky. The lesser light to govern the, the night and the greater light to govern the day. And so Jesus, being the creator of time and space, he can be anywhere he wants at any time. And so the boat was instantly on shore. So why did Jesus perform this miracle? As I mentioned before, to dis dispel the, the fear and the doubt of the disciples. They were afraid. Now, most of the men in that boat were big, burly fishermen. They had seen wind and waves before. So this must have been a real bad one. What were they afraid of? Were they afraid of the wind? Were they afraid of the waves? Were they afraid of the darkness? Were they afraid of drowning? You know what they were really afraid of? That everything was out of control. Anything that currently makes you feel out of control? Can you control the virus? Have you been controlling the riots? Have you been controlling the civil unrest? Able to control the storm that hit the East Coast? Any control over the results of your medical tests? Amidst it all, Jesus desires to calm the fears and the doubts. And amidst the storms and the winds of our lives, Jesus comes walking into our lives as a creator and a controller of all to dispel our fear. And he tells us, don't try to quell your fear on your own because it's impossible. You can't do it. Only God can. So I've told the story before from this pulpit about my dad Stayed behind in Germany after the war was over for various different reasons. Decided to come home on a ship to cross the Atlantic in December, even though the Germans told him, don't go, there's bad storms. The ship got caught in one of the worst storms probably in all of history. And the ship made history by 
tilting so far over it should have capsized. All scientific reason says that boat should have been upside down, but it wasn't. While all that storm was going on, my dad couldn't swim as if that would help anyway. So he took his little uh, devotional book down into the boiler room because he thought if the ship blows, he wanted to be the first one to go. He read the 23rd Psalm, fell, fell asleep like a baby, woke up when the storm was over. And so there was the wind and the waves. But you know what, Je- what uh, the disciples were really afraid of? They were really afraid of Jesus because they thought it was a ghost. No human ever walks on water. But when he revealed to them who he really was, then their fears were calmed. Don't be afraid. It's me, or in good English, it is I. Do you know that fear is always the natural emotion for sinners who don't know God? When Adam and Eve sinned, they lost their relationship with God. They no no longer knew him or recognized him as a friend. Adam, where are you? I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. It's the first story in the Old Testament. The same thing is true with the very first history of the New Testament. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. You see, sinfulness and holiness just don't mix. All the false religions of the world are all based on the fear of some unknown God. They take a look around and they recognize they haven't measured up to whatever God's standards were. And so they have to try to do something to appease God's anger. That's what they're all based on, all false religions, appeasing God's anger. My wife and I, years ago, had a Opportunity to go down to Mexico. We vi- vi- visited a, a Mayan temple uh, city. Pictures on the walls depicting human sacrifices. The Seminole Indians, years and years and years ago. If their firstborn was a girl, they would drive a stake through its heart. Africans, tribes, years and years ago, if they had twins, they thought that was a curse from God, so they fed one of them to the crocodiles. Moloch was the god that people worshipped before Jesus' time. It called for throwing your babies into the fire to appease God's anger. And I still believe that even today, people who don't know God are afraid of him. Many people have concocted their own ideas about who God is. In many people's minds, God is sort of a mixture between a boss, a supervisor, a dictator, a drill sergeant, and who would want to get close to a person like that? And if you really got close to him, there's probably even more that you don't like about him. Because after all, you know that God likes to issue all kinds of rules that you have to follow, and most of all, he wants your money. 
people who don't know God are afraid of him. When Jesus walks into our lives and touches us, all of a sudden we find out who he truly is, our brother and our best friend. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. He lives, my kind, wise, heavenly friend. He lives and loves me to the end. Jesus comes walking into our lives to reveal himself to us so that he might give us just the opposite of fear. What's the opposite of fear? The opposite of fear is courage. You see, fear is the anticipation that something bad is just going to happen. Courage, on the other hand, is the anticipation that nothing bad can happen. And you know when you're going to need the most courage of all? Is when you die and step before the gates of heaven and your Lord God asks you why should he let you in. And then with no fear at all, you'll say, Dear Heavenly Father, you sent your Son to shed his blood for me. You already punished all of my sins on him. You have to let me in. And then with open arms, he'll say, Come and take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Fear of dying, yes, we all have it. Fear of being separated from God, which is real death, absolutely not. Because as we heard from the mouth of St. Paul in the reading this morning, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, and nothing can separate us from the love of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus walked on the water to reveal himself to his disciples and to dispel their fears and their doubts. And Peter asked if he could walk on the water too, and Jesus said, come, and he did. But when the wind and the waves and perhaps the darkness distracted Peter and he took his eyes off of Jesus, then he sank. Did you ever feel yourself sinking under life's problems? And so oftentimes it is that the devil tempts us to inflate our difficulties way out of proportion to what they really are, as though our problems in the here and now are going to last forever. Somebody very succinctly put it this way. Hey, don't sweat the little things. They're all little things. Our seemingly big problems, when compared to the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and the eternal life promised to you, finally they become nothing. And even when we are weak, 
fixating on the winds and the waves and the darkness and the difficulties loom large, he still reaches out his hand to rescue you. I am with you always to the very end of the age. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He comes to us in his holy word and breathes to us, peace be with you. And so it is amidst all the uncertainties of life, we still take courage. Because we have the guarantee that when everything finally is stripped away, we will still stand there in all of our simplicity and purity, wearing nothing more than white robes of righteousness and golden crowns of eternal life. And that's all you need for the attendance at the heavenly banquet feast. Jesus comes walking on the water to reveal himself to you once again and to dispel your fears and your doubts. He walked because he was sent to live and to die and to live again to claim all of you as his brothers and sisters for all eternity. And so, in our times of fear and doubts and worry, there's really only one thing to do. Cry out, Lord, save me! And he can. And he will. And he does. And thanks be to God for that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.